I love to chase money too, but if money is in the top five factors, you'll actually make less money in the long run. It'll actually cost you more money than you would make. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the work they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today I'm excited. This one is something something that I've been waiting for a while. Our guest is Evan Patterson. If you aren't following him, an absolute legend in the space on LinkedIn. I'll let Evan introduce himself. Evan, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I've listened and watched many of the episodes and I've seen your content on LinkedIn for Lord knows how long now. So yeah, it's great to be here. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's, uh, the theme of what I wanted to talk about today was a, a couple things. So like influencer, sales, marketing, social selling, personal branding. And I'll kind of get into uh, my first kind of question for you and thoughts around that. In your mind, you know, what are the pros and cons of leveraging sales influencers for personal branding? Ooh. So <laughs> what it, it could be a, a lot of the cons are also pros. They're cons if you do it wrong. So for me, when I'm working with sales influencers, I really focus on not just like the numbers, but their the ethics, the morals, the alignment between the brand, which is our brand, their personal brand, and also the brains of the companies that they're already working with or for. You have to make sure of all those things are all, they all have, well, 10 to 10. There's no lesser, you can't do less than 100% on this. Because like people won't buy from somebody who's an a-hole. People won't buy from somebody who's, supporting bad products or they're partnering with a company that has a great product, but unethical business practices. And the list goes on and on and on. So I, I have a very high bar for the type of people that I work with. And that doesn't mean followers and engagement. That means the quality of who you are. I love that. Absolutely. And I'm curious, because I actually, I, I wrote a post on this uh, today afternoon and it was around the fact, it's LinkedIn specifically, but you know, I feel like in B2C, what you know when people are doing paid partnerships, whether it's like partner ad, you know, whatever, it's easy to tell on TikTok, Instagram, but I feel like LinkedIn's a little bit different. And I use the example as like, if I'm looking at buying like enterprise software, let's say 75 grand, again, it's a bit of an extreme situation, but yeah. I take Evan's advice of like, oh, okay, Evan told me to go check out this product. I'm gonna go check it out, champion it, buy it. Turns out Evan actually never used the product, but was just getting paid to do it. And now I lose my job because the product actually is a piece of shit. So like, I'm curious on your thoughts on that, because I feel like, again, in B2B, the whole influencer space and like being paid to do sponsored content, uh, partnerships, brand deals, things like that is lagging B2C. But like, I feel like LinkedIn doesn't enforce this as like part of like their terms of service. 
And I'm curious on your thoughts on like, what, what do you think about like that whole thing? Because it got me fired up and people kind of like debated me a little bit on both sides. Yeah. So I think the reason why it can't be enforced is because when you are working for like you work at Salesforce, you're already doing influencer marketing. So like one could argue that it's a law that's not enforceable, right? Like it's the same thing. So it's not practical for a rule to make sense. It has to be enforceable and they're not enforceable. You're already promoting a brand. People who work at Salesforce didn't buy Salesforce. People who work at Salesforce are getting paid by Salesforce to work at Salesforce and therefore by proxy talk about it. So influence marketing is just the same thing. I'm onboarded as a contractor, right? And as somebody who works with influencers, I'm onboarding influencers as contractors. And they are usually what happens, at least I can't speak for other influencers, but the way that I do brand deals when I am on the receiving end of them and the giving end is usually the same, where either A, it'll be a product that I already use and already love, or B... I will, they'll come to me and go, hey, we would love to do a brand deal with you. Try our product out. Like, like, let us know if this makes sense. Like, they're, they, they know that I'm not going to say yes unless I like their product and I'm going to use their product. I'll be completely transparent. Say, focus one of those companies that I never used their product before hearing of them and doing a brand deal with them. They came to me, they pitched me their product with the intention of, and they made it clear from day one, like, of doing a brand deal with them. And I've been playing around with the tool. Uh, I'm afraid to set it up right now too much more because at the time of recording, I'm about to be starting, I'm looking to start a new full-time role soon. So I want to set it up with whatever that new full-time role is in mind. <laughs> but I fell in love with the product and I was like, yeah, let's do this brand deal. Like this makes total sense. So um, to, to your point, right? Like I don't want to ever work of influencers to be the influencer that does that because that is when I do think LinkedIn would start to get angry. That is when I do think LinkedIn would start to change their role. One thing I do advocate for and I wish LinkedIn did was have like sponsored tags like in the yes. post because there are like there are laws about like you have to make it known to people, right? And like I do make it known to people in the sense that one, I don't pretend that it's not. So the laws regarding sponsored content are that you have to make it explicitly known. They're that you have to make it, you have to, you gotta let it pretend that's not. Yeah. So that's the rule there. The other thing is like good influencer marketing, should it look like influencer marketing? <laughs> There's a big difference between like those TikTok ads that you see that literally say like ad, right? Versus a TikToker going like, I use this when I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So you shouldn't be able to tell when I tag somebody when there's money behind it. And I think the people that do what we do for a living can tell, but the average person shouldn't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's glad that you kind of like mentioned a lot of that, though, because I feel like, you know, there's people and I've seen this before because I, I know like there's people that that are getting paid for things and like they just don't disclose. And like, again, like, you know, we could tell, but like. The average person that like might look up to these people that have over a hundred thousand followers or something and like goes and champions a product because like they were told by a random person on LinkedIn to like go check it out. Like again, you should always do your research and not just trust yeah. one person's judgment. I'm talking at a very but, overly yeah. simplified level here too, in case anybody's curious. There's a lot more that we can't shove into this episode. A hundred percent. Cool. So let's, let's talk about like, 
influencer marketing as a whole. And this is something where, I mean, similar to you, I've been on the receiving side. I've been your running campaigns with others as well. And I love that we're both like similar in that aspect. How do you, how do you feel like you can use it like in, in personal branding efforts? And I've been trying to even like get away from like the personal branding, like efforts, like we're in more so like focusing on like building an audience because I feel like that's starting to resonate more. Plus, I feel like the personal branding piece is like played out a little bit. And again, it's, you know, everyone's is doing it. So I'm curious on your thoughts on on both of those things. Yeah, I think it, the hard part when it comes to all things personal branding is that the, the blueprint, it, it changes per person, right? Yeah. So for me, like I have my own in my mind, like content pillars, right? So I've got Evan, the sales dev hat. I've got Evan, the marketing hat. And then I got Evan, like the DEI queer hat, right? <laughs> so when I do like influencer marketing brand deals and stuff like that, I think which content pillar do they fall under? Um, most of them are like sales tech and marketing tech. I've, I very rarely get any sort of brand deals in the DEI queer context. And I could have a whole far TED talk as to why that like, I know why that happens that way. There's no money in that space, which, but it's and why it's awful at the same time. But it is, I focus on creating a audience as well, right? I, I focus on creating a community. I am a community marketer at the end of the day, right? That is my bread and butter. Even when I was SDR, I did community marketing. I, I took the job description and shoved it out the window. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care what your time of the day. I'm going to do what makes the most money for the company. So... But so I take those skill sets and apply them to myself. That's I think that's why I'm good at my nine to five, because I, I, I use myself as the playground at the testing lab and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens as more and more companies experiment with this, because I don't think there's an answer to that question yet that matches most people. Like I just explained, there's a lot of things that a normal everyday marketer at a company without a personal brain does that I apply to want to do, right? The content pillars, the balance and other subjects, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of things that I do that they don't need to even consider due to their job description, but they're starting to need to consider due to the job description and the future of marketing. So I don't think anyone has an answer to that question yet. <laughs> Keyword yet. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think 2023 will will hopefully play a big piece into that. And it'll be interesting yeah. to see like how things kind of to, to play out there because I've talked to a lot of people. And again, I think it's interesting because I feel like what B2B is lacking is like more of a like an influencer hub. Like, you know how B2C has all these platforms that you can like, you know, like I need someone that is an SME for this type of product or something like that. Like, I feel like B2B needs that. And as far as I know, I don't think there's really like any like go-to platform that like solves this issue right now. There's a couple that are popping up that okay. I that shall rename nameless in this podcast because <laughs> one of them is terrible because it's nothing but bots. Like it's people that bought their followers. So the creators are bots, but their followers are bots. Yep. Oh, the other one at the time of recording recently released an extremely rigged, very white cis male list. And if you know, you know. <laughs> and if you're offended, good. Slide into my DM so I can send it again. But the goal was to hurt your feelings. There is no go-to hub to answer your question. Yep. Yes, there are two people that have tried and failed yeah. and will continue to fail. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good to know. I actually, I, I don't think I've come. A, oh, okay. 
Yeah, I, 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 already, yeah, I, I already know where you're. Yeah, yeah I know you knew. You yeah, figured out. The yeah. light bulb just went on. We'll talk after we hit the record <laughs> button. Stop. <laughs> I definitely agree with you there. Can motion keep this bit in, please? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. All right. Let's pivot to to social selling because I know that's something that you're big at. And like, I feel like many people confuse social selling as synonymous with like personal branding. Oh, like, thank God somebody else said it before me. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's the difference between the two? Like, like, let, let's just dive into that. Like, give me spew anything that you want to spew. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> Okay, so those that are good at it already know this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing. Those that are great at it don't need to be told this. <laughs> um, um, but for the rest of the people in the world, so so personal branding is everything that we've been t- speaking about up until this point. Yep. Social selling is when you start taking that personal brand and doing something with it at a one-to-one level. You are doing what an SDR does or an outbound AE does in the outbound part of their day to generate traffic and leads and qualified meetings, whatever the hell that means for your organization, through the means of social media. And your personal brand is fueling that higher reply rate. So, for example, like you could be using the postbound strategy, which I've spoken about literally hundreds of times to the point where I want to drop dead. But, you know, like you find people talking about things, right? And then you do DM them based on what they've already said, because then the reply rate's super high. Like I'm talking like 90 percent. And the yes rate, I think I had like I can count on one hand the number of no's I've received the strategy. So but then there's the other of like, um, you know, you, you DM somebody and they already just know your name. So your pitch slap's not a pitch slap because you've been talking about mimosas or drag queens or sports <laughs> or whatever you have in common for weeks already. Right. So at that point, it's like my best friend Marshall saying, hey, Evan, you should try this new skincare product. He works in skincare industry. That's not a pitch slap. That's a friend coming to me saying, hey, I know you and I think you'll give a shit about this. Pardon my French. I didn't ask if I can swear on this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, you can. You're good. You're good. Okay, awesome. There we go. All right. I could go on and on and on about the differences. Like social selling could also, like Tom Slocum's great at combining cold calling with social, right? When he cold calls somebody, is it, the hang-up rate slower because people already know his name. They already like him, right? So he can go straight into the pitch without it being a pitch slap because he's already built this like like rapport with this person, even if he's never specifically said anything to them. If Cher calls me, I don't care what this woman has to say. I'm listening to her, right? Like it's that it's that effect. So um, Sarah Brazier at Gong is the poster child of this. So Sarah, by the way, if you hear this, start posting more. I miss you. So so yeah, so that's the difference between personal branding and social selling. Personal branding fuels Love. social selling. You do not need personal branding to do social selling, but... I've never met a strong social seller who doesn't have a strong personal brand. But also personal branding doesn't mean social media and social selling also doesn't mean social media. And if you don't know the answer to that question, DM me. I have a consulting yeah. rate you can look into. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. And now, like, and I'm curious, like, how can we incorporate, because you talk about like social media, like how can we incorporate social media into our existing sales motion? I, mean, I know you talked about it a little bit, but I feel like there's so many people that that want to to figure this out, even internally, like at Alice, like we talk about this all the time. It's like, yeah. how do we incorporate, you know, the social selling and social media into our like existing processes that are set up? Like, what do you recommend typically? <laughs> this is what gets me in trouble. Don't hire people that aren't social savvy in the first place to be on your mm. sales team. Can't train someone who is adverse to social media to be good at social media so like most things in the world right you have to want to do it to be good at it 
I, I will blame my upbringing for this because I was, I'm terrible. I'm the, I'm the I'm athlete shit at chemistry and physics. And I would get like straight A's, like English and social studies. And like, I finished my entire year's worth of French homework at French, like AP French in like weeks. Like it's not like a couple of weeks. Right. But when it came to like math and physics and chemistry, oh my God, it was like asking a quadriplegic to climb out Everest in the dark. It's not possible. So I would say that like you know, I leaned into the fact that if I like it, I'm probably gonna be great at it. So you have to hire people that have like a natural interest in social media, aren't afraid to put themselves out there. They're not afraid to get on that soapbox. They're not afraid to deal with the hate and the bullshit that comes with it. They're really good at they have really good EQ. They have a lot of self-awareness. They're creative and the most offensive. And I mean this intentionally to be offensive. They're not boring. A lot of sales reps are really good at having a conversation in a demo. They're really bad at keeping like an audience's attention for long periods of time. But that's because they're not hired for that. They're not trained for that and they're not paid to do that. So therefore, no one cares or looks for that in the interview process. So I don't think that sales people are dumb or bad. There is a place for them still. I yeah. think it's going to be like a Carvana business model. They're like, they're going to turn into order takers and they're going to turn into the people that hold your hand through the sales motion. But social sellers are going to take over the outbound, I'm pretty sure. That's, I love that you broke that down because I've actually... Out of all the podcasts that I've done, at least on my show, like I've, I haven't had anyone come on and talk about like the social selling side of it. So I'm curious on like, like how can we boost reply? And I know you talked about this a little bit more so on like the, the LinkedIn DMs, but how can we boost like reply rates to emails around yeah. social, social selling efforts? Lavender is fantastic at this. The company, not just the product. Dorothy Wynn, love her because what she will do is she will do what I did as a SDR, BDR, right? But I'll send like DMs and X, Y, and Z and stuff in response to what you say online. But she'll supplement that with email and then the reply rate's higher. So she's really good about marrying the two. You Social sellers know how to use social media as intent data. And I never, as a social seller, found an intent tool that was helpful. I mean, until I worked at Trender. Trender is really great at this. But but the the being a social seller is about finding a way to be not just personalized, but also relevant and timely. A lot of salespeople are really good at one or two out of those three things. And social sellers are really good at those three things. And if you're good at those three things, it won't matter what channel you're using as long as it's the, ch it's the channel that your audience prefers. That's uh, You said that so perfectly. And it's funny because working for a gifting and direct mail company, like we've actually changed our whole like narrative and messaging to be focused on like the outbound marketing perspective, but like to be personal, relevant, and thoughtful. And I feel like the social selling, like it all kind of plays together <laughs> and it's an amplification to all those other channels that you're running. Oh, if I worked at Alice as an SDR, like if I had the ability like to send gifts to my <laughs> prospects, like the first thing I'd be doing is like looking at the clothing they're wearing and trying to figure out what brand it is and like send them <laughs> gift cards to those brands or send them clothes that like, that. Maybe it's this gay stereotype here, but like I can shop for people pretty well, you know? And then there's the other aspect of like, oh, they're drinking this beer in this picture. I'm And they tag themselves at this bar. I'm going to go see what beers this bar is known for selling. I'm going to get them like maybe that beer or maybe the gift cards of that bar or whatever the case may yeah. be, right? 
I would use social media as a way to literally stalk you and figure out what it is that you like to do off the clock. And it's not to like buy your time or whatever. It's more to like, I'm paying attention. And like, I'll marry that gift of like, you know, like, hey, I saw you post that you hate this. And like, that'll be what I send alongside the gift card to the 15th Patagonia shirt that they don't need, you know? Yeah. So like th that is that's social selling. And also, yeah. by the way, Alice, if you use that idea, I expect a commission. So <laughs> I love that. Cool. So I, I know we're coming up on time. I have a few final questions for you, more so around like what you see for the future, because I am curious and also advice. And why don't we start with like the advice aspect? Because again, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of people that listen to this are, you know, early in their career, marketers that want to get started, but they don't know how. And I actually, I now have a lot of salespeople that listen to this too, which is cool. What like, you know, what tips, like tactical tips, would you give to someone that's new to tech that wants to create, you know, an audience and personal brand for themselves? I've been told this is not tactical, but the people who get it right do know it's tactical. Ma within reason, I understand people got to pay the bills, but within reason, make sure that when you take on a job that like you love the ICP. You And when I say you love the ICP, I don't mean like you find what they do interesting and fascinating, but like the types of people who typically hold that job you get along with and you click with, you enjoy talking to, you love the product, you would either A, buy it yourself because you are the ICP, or B, if you were the ICP, you could see yourself buying it. Um, and then you, you need to make sure that the culture of the company is one that empowers you and feels like, like, feels good. I have this weird litmus test of like in the first five minutes of like a conversation with a company, if I don't get excited like, and start noticing myself having trouble, like not talking over them or getting too excited, I actually don't have interest in working there because that's just how I know when I'm interested in something. You got to ask yourself what that is for you. All of those things, and I could go on and on, but all of those things will help you be better at this job. All those things will help you be better long term. Listen, I love to chase money too, but if money is in the top five factors, you'll actually make less money in the long run it'll actually cost you more money than you would make. I've watched way too many people in my social circle take a job that pays them $200,000, $400,000. And when they go, why do you take the job? They go, the benefits are great. The money's great. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't hear you say how much you love the product, the ICP or the team. I'm like, so tell me in three months when you hate your job uh, and how you're panicking because you are, you want the money, but you hate the company. Because it, it, that's really difficult. So focus on that. You'll be better at the job. Look at your career like an IMDb page. Everything I do is on brand with me. Everything I do, and if it is a shift in brand, it's like one foot out, one foot still in. So that way, like, even my mother who worked for the DOD in the 80s can understand why I'm doing this. Like, she doesn't understand a single word that you and I have said in this entire conversation. <laughs> you know, she gets it, right? So if she can get it, and she's very smart, but if she can get it, that's the text that's been passed. If Helen Keller, who is deaf, blind, and dead, can get it, then you pass the test. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, it, that, that, that that's that's so good too. And I've been in that situation where I've chased money before, and I've I've, I've hated it three it's months not worth in, it. and like it's, it's not, not fun. Not and, like I'm at a point it. now where like for me, like I don't chase title and comp. Like 
if I don't enjoy like, like Alice, like I, I enjoy what I'm doing every day because I am, again, I am the ICP. I have bought Alice before. I have bought other gifting platforms and like I understand the pain points that they're looking to solve. So like it's a fun space for me to be in. If I was to go to cybersecurity or like developers, which I've done before and also why I didn't enjoy it, like it's just, it's, it's not fun, which is also probably why I'll stay in MarTech or like a MarTech adjacent type role if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah, I, I would oh, say the um, same. I, a lot of cybersecurity companies yeah. will come to me and I'm like, listen, cool product, but that's it. That's the conversation. Cool product. Yeah. <laughs> I acknowledge the quality exactly. of your product. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's hundred percent with you there. Yep, 100%. So, all right. So I want to end this with one final question. Like, where do you see the future of social selling going in 2023? And like, yeah. how do you tie in... From a social selling, and I know influencer marketing different, but like how yeah. do you marry it all together? I'm working with some companies right now that are a part of the future of this. So Shelly Piper, one of them. The future of social selling, I think, is going to be a lot more dedication to that. There's going to be a lot more roles that are designed around that. And like they're going to be hiring for that or taking the people that are on their team. Like let's say you got like 10 SDRs and like three of them are already really good at social selling, but they're doing it as part of their job versus all of their job moving them into a role where they can focus on that like 40 hours a week, making that their full-time job, right? Because when I was a full-time BDR at Reprise back in the day, like I was a full-time social selling only BDR. And I, my metrics that I gave myself were like my average new follower count per day, my number of content I released, number of shows I was on and invited to be on, the number of conversations I was starting, whether or not they were with qualified people or not, because I don't know who this person knows. So therefore that counts. I don't care if you're the janitor at this yeah. company. You're not my ICP, but you know the CMO because somebody's got to be signing your paycheck, right? <laughs> yeah. So, right. So I'm really excited that there's so many companies now like, oh, we can have full-time in-house mascots. They can be full-time in-house influencers, personal brand builders, social sellers. And while a lot of what they do is not directly tied to revenue, Everything they do is directly tied to the things that are tied to revenue. I actually just turned down a job offer from a company that asked me to measure what I do for at their company as a community marketer in the context of numbers and meetings booked. I'm like, no, no, no. I will be booking meetings. Don't get me wrong. But a community marketer is measured on the effect it has on the people who do book the meetings mm. all day, not on the number of meetings it directly books. That will happen by proxy. But my job is to lay down the foundation to make that better. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more companies are looking at this because community marketing, I think, has had a couple of years head start. Yeah. Now they're going, okay, if the one to many is working, now let's funnel money into this, the one to one, which is a social selling. That's such a great breakdown. Amazing. All right, Evan, where can people go? Obviously connect with you, <laughs> learn more, DM you, some education. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can also find me on Instagram or on Twitter. Just search my name. It'll, it'll pop up, Evan Patterson. I'm also on TikTok. And if you find me at my house, I will sue you. But yeah, find me every place else. And if also if you're in <laughs> Chicago or Boys Town, like DM me. Don't stalk me. And I, you know, we'll get drinks at Sidetrack. Shout out Sidetrack in Boys Town. North Halstead. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Evan, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Of course. And thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you as well. And I hope that a bunch of other people are going to learn from this and maybe 2023 be a less friction filled year for social sellers. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.